Welcome everybody to Book of Boredom with Jones. It's been a while. It has, yeah. I was trying to remember when the last time we recorded. Oh, I can tell you. The last one was Mo Temples. The burgers are better at McTemples. Oh, yeah. Uh (laughs) How long ago was that? That was the beginning of May, Jones. What the Christ, Jesus, fuck. That was a long time ago. We need to do this more regularly. Well, you know, you get employed and it just fucks everything up. (laughs) Jones, how do you feel about chicken nuggets? Uh, basic boring shit. And how do you feel about people stealing chicken nuggets from their ward kitchen? First of all, it wasn't his ward kitchen. So he stole the Lord's chicken nuggets. (laughs) As I recall, it was four of the Lord's chicken nuggets. So throw that man in the slammer. I just don't even understand it. It was stupid. It was ridiculous. First of all, the police officers who observed him eating the chicken nuggets. They're the ones that arrested him. Nobody actually from the church said charge this man. From what I understand. However, they could say, you know what? We don't want those charges to be pressed. Yeah, it's Utah. They could just tell the cops to fuck right off and they would have. But like, it was four chicken nuggets. I don't get the story at all. What was he doing there? Did he just walk in? As far as I know, he was either a drifter or a homeless guy. Right. He didn't break anything. The door was unlocked. He walked in. (laughs) Have you ever been into a Mormon church building? I have. I bet they're different in Utah, but they're just like a one level building and they have different rooms and just lots of area Mm. really and space. Yes. And a kitchen. Yes. And a kitchen. Every Mormon church that I've ever been in my entire life has a kitchen. Right. It's not just a microwave and a hot plate and dorm fridge. It's a fully equipped kitchen with a stove, an oven, a refrigerator or two stocked with cooking stuff. Often they'll have a dishwasher. It's a full kitchen. (laughs) Because Mormons like to do like potlucks and shit like that. It's one of their most endearing qualities, I would argue. I don't know how endearing because often the food's pretty shit. Right. People started talking about it in the Reddit notes, of course, when they heard this ridiculous story. They led on to being like, stealing is considered the most heinous crime amongst Mormons. When we count the money, we've got to have two people there to watch us count the money. But when they have these bishop meetings, they didn't seem to think it was a high priority to have the parents in the room when they're quizzing their kids about their personal lives. And when Sam Young, a bishop, said, hey, we need to change this, this is wrong, they're like, oh yeah, you're out, get the fuck out. It kind of shows you where the church's priorities are. Yeah. Which is on the things of mammon. Yeah, that's what they call it. Instead of worrying about the spiritual things that they claim they are there for, you know, or protecting the weak and the innocent, Mm. they're most worried about the money. It's a business. I bet this has happened kind of without them realizing it. Like, I bet if you ask the average Mormon, they would say, oh, we care the most about protecting our children and so forth. But in the way it's played out, the actions don't meet up with that ideal. So it looks like in the last couple of years, LDS has actually been donating to some worthy causes that aren't themselves. Whenever something has come out saying, hey, these fuckers have, you know, $150 billion, or hey, these fuckers <laughs> have been lying to the government, or hey, these fuckers are trying to rip off the government in Australia or New Zealand. Right. And then the newsroom's like, oh, 
we donated $8 billion to hunger in Iowa. <laughs> right. Or something like that. So I think it was something like $48 million that turns out to be their largest sole donation. And it was some anti-hunger charity and it seemed like it was pretty legit. And they've done other donations recently too since all of this financial shit came out. It's all just such a drop in the bucket because let's say they have $100 billion in their shares, right? Even if they were making a really conservative 3% interest on that, that would be $3 billion a year. Yeah. Then wouldn't they be able to at least do something like a billion donation a year to stop people dying from hunger? The church doesn't know what do all this money. No. They're not spending on anything. They're not buying lavish mansions for the Quorum of the Twelve. They are building buildings, but it's not going to those obvious things. It's mostly just sitting there. Right. They haven't worked out how to still grow it, but to use the increase to help people. There is such a large margin there just from minimal interest, let alone everything else, where they could come up with a plan to really do a whole lot more, but they're not. Mm. What the fuck? It's nice they're obviously running a bit scared and putting on some performances here because it can only get more performative, which means more people will end up receiving some of their funds. Yes, no. Because they're starting to be held accountable. So I know it's a drop in the bucket now, but we're only a couple of years into this whole financial thing. I think these donations will get bigger and it'll be interesting to see how it all goes. That would presuppose that we had decent people who actually cared That's true. about actually doing good things at the top of the Mormon organization. Yes. We have an egotistical former heart surgeon right. who really cares about the appearance of being good and wonderful and being the best prophet ever. And talking like this. Oh God, his voice. And making these changes that are completely window dressing and don't actually address the problems in the church. Court reversed summary judgment favoring LDS Church, so previously favored the LDS Church, in a fraud case by James Huntsman, where he alleged the church used tithes wrongly mm -hmm. and misrepresented how funds were sourced for a mall. So basically the church is probably going to have to face some questions. It's certainly not a slam dunk because no. churches are treated with such kid gloves here in the States because mm. of the interpretation of the First Amendment being that you leave churches alone as opposed to being that churches should leave you alone. <laughs> it would be nice if something happened and if there was a judgment against the church, it would certainly open up the doors for all the other ex-Mormon members to say, hey, I I want my tithing back. Yeah. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know, but I don't suspect it'll ultimately turn out that the church is going to have to pay, but it's still interesting. Oh my God, this Mormon family, what they had six kids or something, and now some of them are adults. And this kid ends up running away from his house. Obvious that he's been abused, you know, held down with tape and like has wounds on him that haven't healed yet. Yeah. And then gets taken, I guess, into protective custody. Child Protective Services, CPS, yeah. Right. I don't know who this kid is staying with now, but apparently in a safe spot. All four children are currently 
currently being cared for by Child Protective Services because the mother was arrested. Her business partner was arrested. Where's the father? It appears that he has been estranged, probably up in Provo, but also doesn't sound like he's a particularly good father. No. It appears that this abuse has been going on for years and years, and he only separated from his wife sometime in the last year or two. So I can understand why CPS isn't exactly like, oh yeah, take your kid. Mm. But it's all very culty. Ah, sure. Because she's involved with this... Connections? Yeah, connections. They had their YouTube channel, which 2020 is when that fell apart because they were saying some pretty heinous shit and people were like, hey, no, this is not good. Yeah. But then she got involved with connections, which is also like so many of the other MLMs and other stuff in here. Mm is preaching about how their system of parenting is the only right way to do parenting and you have to sign up for their seminars. Mormons are programmed from birth to be susceptible to cults, to narcissists, and to con men because Mm -hmm. the way Mormons are raised to follow the prophet. So if you find another prophet, whether it's a religious prophet or a parenting prophet or a essential oils prophet (laughs) or some shock prophet on AM radio, you're going to follow that person and completely disregard their ability to think. Mm. I was doing some research on the connection stuff and some of the stuff they were saying is pretty fucking heinous. Yeah. They were saying that parents are not required to love their children. They're not required to respect their children. Children don't deserve anything. They have to earn everything. For infractions, they need to be punished and have things removed. But on the other hand, children must love and respect their parents unconditionally. Right. I don't know how that makes any sense to anyone. No, but if you're a Mormon, that's how you're raised. Right. You love and revere God. You love and revere the prophet. You love and revere your leaders. And you do everything that the leaders say. So apparently both her and this connections lady are sort of promoting the idea that you got to raise your children in such a severe way because the only thing that really matters is turning out little carbon copies of what they think Jesus would want. Mm-hmm. Or little Jesus's Jesus-i. <laughs> Well, because everything is justified to make sure that your child follows Jesus because otherwise Jesus is going to send them to hell, Mm. which is hilarious because if you know anything about the Mormon plan of salvation, Satan had a plan. Jesus had a plan. Yeah. But Satan had the plan to force everybody to do exactly what the plan was so that everybody would return to Jesus. And that was the bad plan. And yet Mormons force everybody to do exactly what they're supposed to so they can end up with Jesus. And they're calling that Jesus plan when it's forced, which it can't be. Exactly. (laughs) I have an older half-sister and she is estranged from a few of her children. They are upset with her because they were forced to be born-again Christians. She knows I'm an atheist. We hardly ever talk, but we were having one conversation a few months ago. Right. And she was trying to explain to me why she was forcing her children because the way that she understands it is she has to save them from the eternal pit. It's a lot of fear. Yeah, exactly. In Mormon heaven, if you are not specifically a Mormon and you don't specifically go through all the saving ordinances, there's going to be an empty seat at the table. Oh, really? That family member is going to be missing. They're going to be in a different kingdom of heaven. Mm. So in order to make it to the highest kingdom of the highest kingdom of heaven, you have to follow the path. You have to do all the ordinances, etc., etc., etc. That's 
the kingdom where God and Jesus reside and where everybody will be happy. If you don't do everything, you'll be in one of the lower kingdoms. They say, oh, it'll be happy. It'll be wonderful, but you won't really be happy. But you'll be happy, but you won't really be happy. And you won't be able to go and visit your family. So Mormonism basically holds your family ransom. For Mormons then that really believe that or any Christians that believe that sort of thing, it must be very scary to have kids because you know that there's going to be a certain percentage that aren't going to follow you and you'll be raising this kid that's going to reject you and you're not going to see them in heaven. Mm -hmm. That would be so scary for a parent. So what I'm wondering is, do these Christians that then grow up and become parents, are they not thinking about that? Mm, Do recall that in Mormonism, you just have kids. Don't fucking think about it. Have those kids. Otherwise, you'd never do it with rules like that. Exactly. It's too scary. Don't think about it. Just do it. Because, yeah, if you thought about it, oh, my God, I'm never going to have kids. But you can't do that because then you're denying the spirits up in heaven a body. So you're doing a bad thing. So you basically have kids and then, oh, fuck, I have to make sure these kids make it to the celestial kingdom. Mm. It's all built in. Like my father had never heard of the term Pascal's wager, but he fucking brought up Pascal's wager (laughs) all the fucking time. (laughs) Well, what if you're wrong? What are we really losing if you follow the plan? You're not losing anything. Yes, you are. Yeah. But if you don't follow the plan and you're wrong, you're going to have eternal consequences. You know what you're losing? You're losing your mind if you follow the plan. Because it doesn't make sense. Well, thanks for discussing the latest Mormon news stories that were all just mm-hmm. horrifying, although there was a glimmer of hope there in some of them. Mm-hmm. So today we've got Mosiah 28, and it is the second last chapter of the horrible, horrible book of Mosiah. Yes, which will then be followed by the horrible, horrible book of Alma, so don't get too excited. <laughs> and then Helaman, more Nephi's, and yeah. The good news is once we're through Mosiah, we definitely are past the halfway mark. Yeah, depending on how you look at it. That's right. If you're going to do a word count, I'm not sure. I'm not if sure. you're going to do a page count, uh, I'm not sure. But if, if you do a book count, yes. yes. <laughs> but yeah, let's be optimistic and say, yeah, we're halfway through the stupid book. That's right, we're getting there. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Do you have the preamble there, James? I do indeed. <laughs> All right. Mosiah chapter 28. The sons of Mosiah go to preach to the Lamanites. Using the two seer stones, Mosiah translates the Jaredite plates about 92 BC. The two seer stones. Did he introduce them yet? That's exactly what I was wondering about. When did they put seer stones in it? Because the entire time I was growing up, they talked about these two stones being the Urm and Thummim. You know, it's not like Mormons pay a hell of a lot of attention to the preamble here, but no. like, I'm wondering how long ago did they put seer stones in it? And did it used to say the Urmim and Thummim or the translators, which is another way they refer to Right. So did they do this fairly recently so they could say, oh yeah, see, we talk about seer stones. It's always there. And then later on, they're going to describe these seer stones. So I won't ruin it for you all, but to call them stones is just the most incredible misrepresentation ever. Okay, so you are accusing Joseph Smith of misrepresentation 
representing a fictional item yes. in a fictional story <laughs> in a fictional book written by fictional people. That's right. Layers of You're really going to focus on that single misrepresentation? Um, yes. And also, do yourself a favor and look up Hiram Smith's sunglasses. Does he wear his sunglasses at night? <laughs> no, I don't know about that, but he had some sunglasses that were pretty funky and could definitely be said to fit the description that is given of the seer stuff. I gotta say this. All right. Hiram Smith sunglasses. So is this one of the Smith descendants, I'm guessing? No, it's his brother. Oh my God, what the fuck? What the fuck is that? Those are Hiram Smith's sunglasses. How have I never seen this before? You weren't raised Mormon. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> They're described as being held together by a bow. And if you look at Hiram <laughs> Smith's sunglasses, oh, yeah, I can see that. Right, yeah. Mm. Talking about them being held together with a bow is the shittiest way to describe anything. I didn't know what he meant. I put the description into stable diffusion. I got these images of like wheels and stuff. It didn't know what to do with it either. Well. It's a nondescript description. Yes. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> All right, let's get this fucking thing over with. Sure. Verse one. Now it came to pass that after the sons of Mosiah had done all these things, they took a small number with them and returned to their father, the king, and desired of him that he would grant unto them that they might, with these whom they had selected, <gasps> not a period yet, go up to the land of Nephi, that they might preach the things which they had heard, comma, and that they might impart the word of God to their brethren, comma, the Lamanites. And that's already the end of verse one. <laughs> yeah, and it's still not the end of a sentence. Verse two, that perhaps they might bring them to the knowledge of the Lord their God and convince them of the iniquity of their fathers, and that perhaps they might cure them of their hatred toward the Nephites, <laughs> that they might also be brought to rejoice in the Lord their God, comma, oh, still having it in the fucking God. sentence, that they might become friendly to one another and that there should be no more contention in all the land which the Lord their God had given them period end of a sentence after two verses <sighs> verse 3 now they were desirous that salvation should be declared to every creature for they could not bear any human soul should perish yea even the very thoughts that any soul should endure endless torment did cause them to quake and tremble he's using all this flowery language but he ends up saying stuff that is so not what he means anyway like saying no creature should perish what he really means is humans because he's not talking about saving dogs and stuff look i'm delighted if dogs are in heaven but i don't think that's what he's talking about here nope but he's saying it like they were so distraught that any creature should perish or is he just indicating that the lamanites and let's be honest every person of color is a creature subhuman oh i hadn't thought of that i don't know if that's what I that's think you, you know might be onto something there though that that's interesting. Right. So, verse 4, And thus did the Spirit of the Lord work upon them, for they
they were the very vilest of sinners. And the Lord saw fit in his infinite mercy to spare them. Nevertheless, they suffered much anguish of soul because of their iniquities, suffering much and fearing that they should be cast off forever. I mean, it's just so overly done when they were just rebellious against God for a while. They didn't go around killing people or causing massive destruction. They were just out drinking at night. Right. And now they were just so distraught. I mean, come on. Really? God regards simply speaking against his church and his plan as being so vile that they had to be punished to the very depths of their soul for doing that. You're right. They weren't killing. They weren't raping. Right. They weren't even stealing chicken nuggets. No. <laughs> they were just <laughs> saying, hey, this church is fucked. That's it. Go and live how you want to live. Have fun. And for that, an angel had to come down and knock their friend out for three days and scare the shit out of them. <laughs> And it came to pass that they did plead with their father many days that they might go up to the land of Nephi. Verse 6, And King Mosiah went and inquired of the Lord if he should let his sons go up among the Lamanites to preach the word. You know what's so confusing too about all of this? They're the Nephites, yet the Lamanites are in the land of Nephi. And I just think that Smitty, he's just all over the shop. <laughs> I wonder how much of this was planned and how much of it wasn't planned, you know? Well, he's remarkably consistent, except, except when, he's when he's not, not. at all consistent. Yeah. Now, Mormons are like, obviously, he couldn't have written the Book of Mormon because he's so consistent throughout talking about this group and that group. He's really not. He's not. No. But however he did it, he did it badly. And <laughs> it's not a miraculous book. It's a shit book. It's a boring book. It's what you'd expect mm -hmm. from someone sitting down and saying, here's my thoughts. Write them down. <laughs> exactly. Verse 7. And the Lord said unto Mosiah, let them go up, for many shall believe on their word. And they shall have eternal life, and I will deliver thy sons out of the hands of the Lamanites. Verse 8, And it came to pass that Mosiah granted that they might go and do according to their request. And they took their journey into the wilderness to go up to preach the word among the Lamanites, and I shall give an account of their proceedings hereafter. Is this the guy who's compiling the plates saying, I will give an account? Or who is it that's saying, I will give an account? That's what I I want to know. Okay. It's Joseph Smith. He made all this bullshit up. It's all Joseph Smith. However, if you want to go along with the fiction, yes, this is Mormon who compiled all this. Right. Basically, there were a whole bunch of scrolls and plates that all the Nephites had written over all the hundreds of years. That's right. Mormon compiled them all together and put them all into the book. And it's all in a cave somewhere. Right. Did the cave get taken back to heaven? Is that why? no one's found it or the cave never existed it was all made up by joseph smith how many fucking times are yes the cave's been protected by the lord from unbelieving heathens right. somehow but you gotta wonder why god would even need to do that let's just follow the line of thinking i don't want to <laughs> i tried to for fucking 40 years of my life yeah why would god do this because evil men anytime something happens that doesn't make sense god did it to protect something from evil men 
men. Why was Joseph Smith in prison? It was because of evil men persecuting him. It wasn't because he destroyed the printing press, making an army, and because he had declared himself king and emperor. It certainly wasn't any of that shit. It was just because of evil men. Joseph Smith was prophet of the millennium and then got killed and the millennium never actually happened because of evil men. God is completely fucking powerless because of evil men. <laughs> or the devil. Satan is more powerful than God because all of God's plans and all of God's servants' plans are thwarted because of Satan. He's more powerful than God. That's what you have to conclude. That is the Mormon story, isn't it? That Satan is more powerful than God. That is every Christian's story. It really is. I'm ranting. God can't control Satan. And yet, they won't let themselves make that conclusion, even though that is the only conclusion. Yes. And hence, the cognitive dissonance. Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got that off your chest, though, Jones. Yeah. That's magic podcast making, that is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, he's going to give an account of their proceedings after. All right. Okay, I finished nine, so now it's your turn. And once again, they're going off into the wilderness. Joseph Smith's favorite little story device that he uses. A and B and C go into Z. Z is just the place where he sends people. <laughs> it's a placeholder. It's a penalty box. It's a memorized <laughs> cog to string these things together. That's right. And just like, and it came to pass. That's right. He's just going to say, and then they left. No, a little flower. Wherever the wilderness. wilderness. <laughs> Considering how many times they tracked back and forth fucking between the land of Nephi and Zarahemla. It's not, not wilderness, wilderness anymore. anymore. <laughs> there's well-established road and there's fucking rest stops and inns along the whole way. They even run into each other out there. How can that happen if there aren't roads? Right. <laughs> Verse 10. Now King Mosiah had no one to confer the kingdom upon, for there was not any of his sons who would accept of the kingdom. Therefore, he took the records, which were engraven on the plates of brass and also the plates of Miffy and all the things which he had kept and preserved according to the commandments of God. <sighs> After having translated and caused to be written the records which were on the plates of gold, which had been found by the people of the run-on sentence of Limhi, <laughs> uh -huh. which were delivered to him by the hand of Limhi. Oh my God, what kind of fucking sentence is that? It's a run-on. No one can pay attention that long. It's a rambling sentence. And remember, even the punctuation that they do have in here was added in later editions. <laughs> the first one was just word after word after word after oh, word. Oh, those poor people. It had to... <laughs> Freedom. Yeah. It makes me wonder, though, were all books like that back in the day? Were they all just run-on sentences? I was looking at some older English works this week to do with some AI text-to-speech sort of stuff. So I wanted to look up some free books that I could throw some text at it with. And yeah, it seems like as you go back a couple of centuries, the sentences could be longer. But they have punctuation in there, right? <laughs> yeah. Jane Austen wrote books before <laughs> this era. There were periods. There were punctuations. <laughs> Just as this just a fuck it. <laughs> Verse 12, and this he did because of the great anxiety of his people, and they were desirous beyond measure, oh my God, to know concerning those people who had been destroyed. Bullshit. No people would have great anxiety and be desirous beyond measure to know of a people that is read about on some plates that's not them. Right. You're going to be concerned about your own family, not about some family <laughs> that lived whenever. Then, no. 
And even if you are concerned, I don't know if all your anxiety focused on that one thing when you've got kids to feed. Yes. <laughs> 13. And now he translated them by the means of those two stones, which were fastened into the two rims of a bow. And what he means is glasses, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. But no one can really know. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the way Mormons described it when I was growing up. And he made it as non-specific as possible so that it doesn't really matter what he says. He can say, well, it wasn't like that. It was like this. <laughs> Verse 14. Now these things were prepared from the beginning and were handed down from generation to generation for the purpose of interpreting languages. And they have been kept and preserved by the hand of the Lord that he should discover to every creature who should possess the land the iniquities and abominations of his people. 16. And whosoever has these things is called seer. Oh, he likes that, doesn't he? After the manner of old times. There's no manner of old times. He's just retconning it like it's always been this way. Yes. And now, after Mosiah had finished translating these records, behold, it gave an account of the people who were destroyed. From the time that they were destroyed, back to the building of the Great Tower, at the time, the Lord confounded the language of the people, and they were scattered abroad upon the face of all the earth. Yea, and even from that time back until the creation of Adam. Okay. Verse 18, now this account did cause the people of Mosiah to mourn exceedingly. Yay, they were filled with sorrow. Nevertheless, it gave them much knowledge in the which they did rejoice. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's just so bipolar. You're okay. Verse 19, and this account shall be written hereafter. For behold, it is expedient that all people should know the things which are written in this account. See Book of Ether. <gasps> and now, as I said unto you, that after King Mosiah had done these things, he took the plates of brass and all the things which he had kept and conferred them upon Alma, who was the son of Alma. Yea, <laughs> all the records and also the interpreters and conferred them upon him and commanded him that he should keep and preserve them and also keep a record of the people, handing them down from one generation to another even as they had been handed down from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem. So he wants them to be stolen from people because that's how Lehi got them. <laughs> yes, exactly. He wants you to go find the person that has the records. Chop off the head. Chop his head off and steal the records. Yes. No, chop his head off, put, put his, his clothes, clothes on, on, then go steal the records, which are somehow not covered in blood, <laughs> and then go steal the records. Even better than that, get your son to go chop off your foe's head. This is some Highlander shit right here. Yeah. There shall be only one. That's right. It's the quickening. <laughs> Did you hear that Henry Cavill is involved in a reboot? Oh, no. And it's it's going to take from both the movies and the TV series. No. I hope they avoid Highlander 2 because that was a real fucking mess. I also <laughs> hope that they don't have a Scottish man with a Scottish accent playing a Spanish man and a French man with a French accent playing a Scottish man because that was really fucked up. <laughs> I can't even really remember those details. 
but I just know <laughs> that I want to watch it again. Christopher Lambert played Connor McLeod, the Clan McLeod, yes. but he's French. Yes. And Sean Connery played the Spanish guy, whose name I can't remember, <laughs> who actually was an Egyptian guy, but he had a fucking Scottish accent for some fucking reason. <laughs> and even if fucking tried to do a Spanish accent or an Egyptian accent, he just fucking went balls to the wall, born to James Bond. But it did have a killer soundtrack, so... Oh, there that. you go. That's cool. <laughs> Pertains to the Book of Mormon in no way, shape, or manner, but... Both are poorly put together. <laughs> yeah, but the Highlander was so much more entertaining than this <laughs> yeah. book show.